Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Morning, glad you're back, whether that's in this room or online. But last week, I hope you didn't miss this, but maybe you did. But last week, I shared with you one of the biggest clutch moments in my life, where dad, again, came up big with the what? The putt of his life. On hole 18, I told you about the putt-putt country club slash course, but putt-putt in Myrtle Beach where where I I stepped up and I made the putt to step into a share of the victory lane. Now, I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about these are the moments, that kind of moment, are the moments we love to make memories with on vacation, right? These are the memories and why we go on vacation and we save up our money to go. It's it's why we think about vacation for months beforehand. It's why we love these destinations that we go to, to create these memories, to relax, to just spend time with each other. I may have been a bit dramatic about the putt-putt, but these are memories that we remember and why we go. We love the destination of our vacations and those memories we make. But what about before we get there? When something happens along the way. Have you ever been on your way to, say, a vacation, and you ran into some crazy traffic that changed your plans up completely? This is what happened to the Moors this year. We were headed to Myrtle Beach, as you know, and this is a trip that we make every year since the kids have been growing up, and this is a a nine-hour trip. That's just, it's just what we do. Well, the morning we woke up is on Friday, and we got the kids packed, and we were ready to go, and there was a ton of excitement, and you felt that before. I'm getting out of town. I'm getting away from my church. No, I didn't think that. I didn't get away from my church. I didn't, I didn't, I promise. We're we're, we're packed up, we're ready to go, we're in the car, and we head out to Myrtle Beach, and in about an hour into the trip, we find ourselves in Leeds, Alabama. You, You know what's in Leeds, Alabama, right? Come on. So Jackson had never been to Bucky's before, so what do you got to do? We got to pull over. We top off the tank a little bit, and we go in to the most hyped gas station in the history of gas stations, right? And when you walk into Bucky's, it's basically just take my money, right? Just just take it. Like, it's just, there's so much stuff. It's just, the food is great. You can buy everything from birthday gifts, Mother's Day gifts, Christmas gifts, you name it. You're buying it at Bucky's. Well, we walk around, we enjoy it. They take a little bit of our money, but we're done. And and so Jackson has got his fill. He was not nearly as excited as he should have been, but he got his fill. We get back in the car, okay? The trip, we're still excited. We're going as a family. It's just wonderful. And, And then all of a sudden, we'd run into rain. And we'd run into rain, and we'd run into rain, and all of a sudden, time is lost. We keep going through the rain, and you know what we run into because of the rain? Accidents. We run into multiple accidents, which means time is stolen away. Over and over and over, time is stolen until we're going down the road, and it's supposed to be a nine-hour trip, and there you go, it's nine. And then it's ten hours. 
and then it's 11 hours, and it's beyond 12 hours, and you know how this feels, right? Our ex once excited self is now just, I'm tired. My neck hurts, my back hurts, my leg hurts. I'm just, get me out of this car. Amber's done with it, the kids are done with it, the, the excitement is gone. Now we get to our location, and it's just, get me out of the car right? Have you had that feeling before? It starts with excitement and the hopes and anticipation, and then it's just, get me out of this. There's this in-the-middle suffering that goes on. And I think about this journey that the Moors take, and isn't this experience kind of the picture of life sometimes? That we do start Moments in our life where we feel this hopefulness, we feel this excitement, we feel this like, like this is going to be good. But then life happens. And maybe today for somebody in this room, somebody online, life is happening. You know what I mean? Life is happening. You're in the stage where the excitement has been sucked away, and what you're left with is, I just want to get out of this scenario. Well, we've been walking along all summer long through the book of James. This, this is your first week. I am so glad that you're here. We started the beginning of June, and next week is our last uh, conversation with James. And in James today, he needs to encourage us a little bit. James, I've been telling you this whole time that James has been a challenging in your face. Hey, I want you to grab a hold of this and almost calling us out. But today, I almost feel like he needs to encourage us. He needs to encourage us because he's been the places that you and I have been or maybe are going to be. See, James's life was not always easy. He had those moments where it felt like life was going to destroy him. I mean, James being the, 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 the leader of the church in Jerusalem meant life was pretty difficult. He was a threat. So he would receive threat after threat after threat to the point where if you know James's life, how it ended was he was thrown off the pinnacle of the temple. And when that didn't kill him, they beat him to death. James knew what suffering felt and looked like. And today, what we're going to see in James 5, 7 through 11, is he wants us to show us how we can walk through those suffering moments between those phases in life from excitement to what is to come. And so I want you to grab your Bibles, maybe grab your phones, you can follow on the screen, but we're going James chapter 5, and I'm going to read 7 through 11 today, and let's see how God speaks to you through his words today. He says, be patient, then brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. 
because the Lord's coming is near. Now don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of suffer, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. He says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Patience in suffering. This is a heavy topic for some people today. Suffering is one of these things we don't talk about often. I would say I'm one of, one, of the, one of the pastors, I think, who talks about it the most. I was talking to a pastor friend yesterday, and he said, Scott, you know, I've noticed in the church we've almost lost our theology of suffering and how important this is or how real this is in life. We don't talk about suffering very much. And it's a problem because there is suffering all around us. And what I'm hoping today is that for someone where the weight of the topic of suffering is really heavy, this may end up being one of the most freeing teachings for your life as we walk through how do we handle, how do we walk through suffering. Now to begin this conversation and, and jump into kind of what I think James wants to walk us through, I want to make sure we're on the same page with a couple of things. Now the first thing I want us to make sure we're on the same page is, is going to sound simple, but hear me out. Suffering is real. This may seem obvious. It may seem simple. But I've got to say it this morning because someone needs to hear you are not crazy for feeling what you're feeling. You are not a bad person because you're experiencing what you're experiencing. We'll get into this a little bit later, but far too often in the church, suffering ends up being this thing of what's wrong with you as you walk through this? What did you do to experience this? What decisions did you make to bring suffering into your life? And I just want to tell you today that suffering is real while you're on this earth. This is why Jesus spoke to his people in John 16. And he's just got done teaching them. And he says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus says, in this world... He wasn't condemning them. He wasn't calling them bad. He was saying, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The very first week of this series, if you want to go back to the very beginning, James kind of touches on this in a different way. He wants to make sure that people know that in this world, in this world as a follower of Jesus, in this world where we have different values, different beliefs, different standards, 
There will be suffering while you're here. Within a broken world, suffering will always exist. You're not alone in this. People before you have suffered. You're not alone in this. People after us, when we're long gone, will continue to suffer while on this world because suffering is real. I just want to tell you that. Now, the second thing I want to tell you is that suffering is subjective based upon our perspective. Suffering is, uh, is subjective based on our perspective. This is what I mean by this. You have the choice to make in how you view the hard times in your life. Do you know that? You have a choice in how you view things. One of the best things I've learned from more mature people, people who've walked through life more than me, uh, Dr. Tim Fox a few weeks ago talked about wisdom and how we can gain wisdom by hanging out with people who possess wisdom. Listen, I love hanging out with people who have lived more life than me. And one of the things that I've learned from them over and over is you have a choice. That your perspective can change in how you walk through anything. What I've learned is we can turn anything and everything into suffering if we want it to. But I've also learned that we can do the opposite as well. Just because something is hard doesn't mean it's suffering. And let me tell you why I need to bring this side of it up. Is that the more we label things as suffering... I think the more that those harder moments can become our identity in life. That what happens is, and I've seen this unfortunately, that what can happen is we can make life a one, um, how do I say, a, a life into a, a series uh, of suffering circumstances that never ends. We can do this because life is going to have hard moments quite often. And what can potentially happen if we turn life into a never-ending series of suffering circumstances, then what this can do is can create a cycle of us always losing or being a victim in life. And when I've seen people go through this, this is like Pastor Scott kind of like fighting for you right now, okay? When we do that, it is really hard to break out of that mindset and that lifestyle. When we do that, we can often become like the character that maybe you saw growing up in Winnie the Pooh. We can have what I simply would say like an Eeyore mindset, right? Everything is always bad. I am always losing and it is so hard to break out of this mindset that ends up bringing destruction so let me be clear i started this with suffering is very real but also can be true is we need to be careful what we label as suffering because of the mental and emotional effects that can begin to build in our life, that we need to ask God to give us wisdom as how we walk through this. Now, okay, 
Those are the first two things I want to make sure as we walk through this. But as we walk through James, and James is, is helping us to have a, have a way to walk through life that's effective, he's telling us, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to walk through our sufferings with patience. We need to walk through it slowly. We need to walk through it with, I think he'd say, wisdom. We need to walk through it in the right way. And so what I want to talk about is how can we walk through suffering? Maybe someone right now, you are in the middle of your suffering or hear me because this message you could just let like i don't need this right now you may be about to walk into a hard season and god needs to speak to you preemptively of how to walk through it successfully and so I think we have choices in how we walk through our suffering. And I need some grace this morning, okay? Because I'm about to be like a cheesy Pastor Scott, okay? Because how I'm going to break this down is super pastor-like, okay? Because I think there are four ways that we can walk through suffering. Three that I think are unhealthy and one I think where James wants to bring us. And so can, can I tell you what they are if you're the note takers? Just don't make fun of me, okay? When walking through suffering, I think we can fight. I think we can fright. I think we can flight. And sorry, I can't make this or we can have faith, okay? So I, I can't finish this whole deal. But, but Pastor Scott goes, we can fight, we can fright, we can flight. Or we can have faith. That's all I could come up with, okay? So I want to walk through these because how we walk through suffering determines how we walk out of suffering, okay? And so the first one I said is when we get into this moment, our reaction to it is, can be to fight. Now, on the surface, this one sounds like, of course I would do that. I determine when in the middle of my suffering, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to get through it. And we're like, we feel good about ourselves in this moment. The problem is, is this actually, I don't believe, is a God-given mindset. I think it's a mindset the world gives us. Because what does the world say? When life gets tough, what are we supposed to do? get tougher when life gets tough it's our job to get tougher we need to get strong we need to push through grit your teeth and just make it happen the problem is then we read scripture and it tells us things like your weakness allows God's strength begin to work on your behalf when you relinquish the fight it releases God to fight on our behalf. And hear me on this. I think sometimes we fight so hard in ourselves. We don't allow the pain and suffering to produce the supernatural power of God in our lives. Think about how you walk through the hardest moments. When you see it coming or you're in the middle of it, do you just, it's mind over matter and just bear down, I'm going to get through it. And think about this. Is there a chance that you fought so hard in yourself, it didn't allow the supernatural power of God to begin to work in you because you had so much of it the power needing to be in your hands. So you didn't experience supernatural grace. 
You didn't experience supernatural mercy. You didn't experience supernatural relationship. You didn't experience supernatural love. You didn't experience supernatural healing because you put it on yourself to how I'm going to walk through this suffering. Maybe it's because you don't know any other way. Maybe you blame yourself for the suffering, that you got yourself into the mess and I got to get myself out of the mess, whatever it is. The problem is this is a world mindset that's given to us, not a God mindset that's given to us. When pain and suffering is experienced in our lives, it gives, the, it gives the opportunity for God to be God and lets us be us. It puts us in the right seat. So the question I have for you this morning is if you're going through a painful, suffering moment right now, are you trying to be so strong that it is a, it's blocking God from being in your pain with you? I need you to remember this when you walk through it. Are you going to be so strong and almost take pride in how strong you are that you don't allow God to be in your pain with you? Okay, so that was fight, okay? And I think there's something to be said for being strong. It's just what are we strong in? Oh, the second one, though, what did I say it was going to be? Fright. Fright, okay? Couldn't it be said that when we experience suffering, that isn't it so easy for that suffering to paralyze us in fear? Have you ever had that moment? For those of you who've lived life, I talked about you have maturity, you've got wisdom, you've walked through. Have you ever been in a moment that you've almost been paralyzed with fear? That can't our suffering turn life into a prison of fear that we can never get out of? And what happens to us is a moment of suffering turns into a lifestyle of suffering and fear becomes our default emotional response. So I love that God uses David King David in the Old Testament writes so many of the Psalms. He writes to us a psalm that's become very famous, but it's become very famous for a reason because many of us walk through down moments. And so in Psalm 23, verse 4, just read a part of it. He says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Reminder, suffering is a, in this world is a byproduct of brokenness. But just like I read John 16, there is someone that is greater than anything you're going to face in this world. That we don't have to live life where fear dominates us because we are not alone in your life right now. Has suffering turned you into a fearful person and you need to be reminded that you are not alone? That God truly wants to be the comfort in your life as you walk through this. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes we fright but sometimes we just flight, okay? Sometimes we just flight. 
Just like the first two. Maybe someone is in suffering right now and your first response is to what? Run. Your first response is to escape. And we typically don't, un we don't realize that we're doing it until after the fact. We didn't realize that we were running. We didn't realize that we were escaping. That sometimes we run from God in these hardest moments. And sometimes we run from reality in these moments. Now, I think that running and escaping is a natural response. I think that's a natural response that we do. The problem is we often run to things that make things worse. We run to things that make it even more unhealthy. Like we run from God to people that actually make our suffering worse for us. We run from God and we run to distractions that take us away from God, but they actually make things worse. Now we even do this in the church that we run from reality of our suffering. And, and, and for whatever reason, this is a little cultural thing, I think, within the church, is that we don't like to um, live in the reality of our suffering, so we walk in on Sunday mornings and people tell us or ask us how we're doing, and we're like, we're great. Everybody in this room right now, you're great, right? If I walk up to you in one of the lobbies, or I, you see me running around here, saying, loving you guys being here in the morning and stuff, like, and I go to you, how you doing? Great. Awesome. I hug you and I did my thing. Can I just tell you? I know you ain't always great. And I know maybe that's not the moment to get into it, so I'm not going to push you, but you ain't, you're not fooling me. We're not always great but there's something sometimes in the church where we feel like we've got to answer that because we don't want to admit we don't want to be vulnerable because everybody else seems great so i should be great we don't want to live in the reality of our situation and i think sometimes we end up doing this so much we end up believing our own lies that we are great. And we don't want to embrace the pain we're going through, and so we push it down away from reality. And it's like, life is fine. But what we're really doing is we don't want to deal with the reality of the suffering and the pain, the hard moments that we're in. And I think we know this isn't good for us, but there's something to say for just in the short term, like living in a different reality, because we just are worn out from what we're going through. But what if the right response is not to run from God or run from reality to just, like, just... What if in the middle of suffering, God's like, will you just run more to me versus away from me? What if God's like, well, you don't even give me a chance. Maybe James is talking about being patient in suffering that we need to give God a chance and it doesn't happen at a snap of a finger that maybe in the past we'd be like God I need you in this but then in that moment it's like he doesn't take everything away so that's why we run to something else 
but we're not patiently giving God a chance, so we run. So sometimes we fight, sometimes we fright, sometimes we flight, but then we've got James who wrote a letter to the church, and this whole series is based on this. How do we have a faith that works in real life? And so maybe those first three things aren't the way we should walk through life, but we should really walk through our suffering with a faith that believes that God is still working, God is still there, that that God knows what's going on, and maybe faith should be that foundational thing that says, okay, I'm going through this hard stuff, but what now? And I think the what now is, uh, what you're gonna see, I think there's three action steps I want you to take this morning if you're in this or about to be in this that maybe can help you walk through your suffering a little bit more patiently, a little more in faith, And the first one is, I think, when we're in the middle of of suffering, we need to get a vision. Get a vision. Here's Here's what I mean. That isn't it funny that an illustration that James uses 2,000 years ago is still an illustration that works for us today. James says, be patient, brothers and sisters, because God is coming back one day. Be patient because God is going to come back one day. So we need to be like what? What did he say? To be like a farmer. This was very easy for them to understand because basically 95% of the people were farmers. So be like a farmer. You know how this works, but we know how this works today too. That a farmer has a vision for the future. That a farmer knows that in order to get a crop, he needs to plant the seed and then he needs to wait. The farmer knows in order to experience what is coming in the future, he has to go through the right process. And it's not always quick, it's not always easy, it takes work, it takes perspective, it takes perseverance, it takes you having another level of faith to walk through this. I think sometimes all we need in the middle of suffering is having a view of there's something more in the future. Isn't it just a little bit of hope that what I see right now is not all that it's going to be? Isn't there a moment in our life where sometimes we need to go, listen, I know this is hard and all I need is to see a glimpse of the future. This is the phrase we use. We need to see a light where? at the end of the tunnel. We grab a hold of these phrases because we just want to know there's something else than what I'm living in right now. And so the farmer, I think James says, has a vision of what's to come. And I think sometimes we need to go to God and say, I don't need to know everything, but can you remind me that there is more to come? Can you speak to me that there's something else more than this? Can you show me that the suffering I'm going to walk through right now is actually going to do some good in my life later? That you're going to use this, that I'm going to get through this, and you have something more for me on the other side. Maybe in the middle of our suffering, we need to not only ask God to take it away, but God, give us a vision of the potential good this can bring in my life. 
the farmer knows, well, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of patience, it takes a lot. This can produce something that he needs for his life. What if the vision we need is, God, I trust you. I trust you that this isn't going to last forever. And I know you have good for me on the other side. This isn't easy. And I know it's not going to go away overnight. But will you help me get a vision of potentially what's next? I just don't know, maybe there's somebody here today who you, you're carrying some stuff and you said on the surface you're great. Good. But really what you need is a hope of what potentially is to come, that God hasn't forgotten us. He is working the whole time, even when we can't see it. And there's still more to come. We need to get a vision. The second thing is I think we need to um, get a plan. I, I'm, I'm sorry, get, get help. We need to get help. We should never, you've heard this before, we should never walk through our suffering what? Alone. You know this. I need to remind you of this. We should never walk through our suffering alone. We need to be humble and vulnerable enough to invite people into our walk. This may mean Jesus-loving counselors, Jesus-loving friends, Jesus-loving mentors, Jesus-loving uh, small groups in your church. This may be Jesus-loving people that they can point you to something more. But we need to be humble and vulnerable in this. Now, I want to... 20 second time out just to, just to talk to my fellow guys. You women are so much better at this than us. You are, I see so much more often that you're willing to talk to your friends and say life isn't great. But guys in the room, we are terrible. Do you know why? Because we're arrogant. I feel like I can say that to you because I'm a dude too, all right? We're arrogant. For some reason, we have sold ourselves on a lie that says we have to have things together. That we need to be strong. We've been told we got to be strong in our household and everybody can lean on us. And that may be true that we need to be a cornerstone in our homes, but that doesn't mean that we're always good. And we are bringing destruction to ourselves. Sometimes our wives, our friends, our kids, because we can't admit we aren't always good. So women, keep setting the example. If you're not good at it, then get better. But men, you've got to invite someone into your life that you can just say, I'm not great right now. Because that not dealing with you're not doing great is destroying you from the inside out. And you may not see it now, but it will come to life some way in the future. It's hurting your relationships now, and it's hurting your relationships later. A lot of you know that my son Jackson, who's 16, tore his ACL a few months ago. The moment after he tore it, what did we do? We went to the, we went to the doctors. 
We had surgery and follow-up. He's been at physical therapy three times a week for the last three months. And then the other days of the week, he's been given a plan on what to do. Why do we do this? He needs someone who's been there before, someone who's trained, someone who can help him walk through this. And here's the deal. We understand this. It would be silly for Jackson to leave the hospital and not get help. What are you doing? You got to rebuild your strength. Jackson, you want to play basketball again at County High? You better get this fixed. You got to go get help. But then in life, we don't have the same principles. He needs someone to push him. He needs someone to care about his recovery. He needs someone to walk this through with him. Even on the days his mind says, I don't want to do that. On the days that you don't want to invite people into your life is the day you need to do it the most. So you need to get a vision. You need to get help. And the third thing maybe is you need to get active. Maybe your approach to the hardest moments in your life is I'm just going to wait it out, right? Maybe that's your thing. Look, look at me. Maybe that's your thing. It's like, I know it's hard, but it's not, you have perspective. It's not going to last. I'm just going to wait it out. James tells us, yes, have patience. But what can you do in the meantime? What can you do in the meantime as you walk through this suffering you may have limited limits but you're not totally limited you may have limits because of what you're walking through but you're not totally limited where could you be active in serving someone else where could you get active in physically and mentally becoming healthier even through this maybe if it's just through a distraction Maybe what you need right now is to get your mind off yourself and the, just the heaviness you're walking through so you can give yourself somewhere else and just be a distraction moment. Can I tell you that the more you think about yourself, the more your suffering becomes deep in your life. That's why James says, stop complaining. Don't complain to each other. Don't complain to you. Complaining about anything, quite frankly, is not going to bring any result that you want. It's actually digging you deeper into the thing you're feeling, the pain that you're going through. He says, no. Like, remember how the prophets walked through this? They had perseverance. They continued to do. They continued to, to, to live out their life. In your suffering right now, what can you do that's not about you, which may bring a distraction, a reprieve that you need? You may feel like you have limits right now, and that's okay. But we need to not just purpose. Pur we need to have a purpose in our waiting. We need to get a vision. We need to get help, and we need to get active. Because I think this allows us to walk through our suffering in, in a man, more manageable way as we invite God into this. God, I trust you. You're working. So I just, I'm going to keep going, trusting you. So that, that trip to Myrtle Beach turned from nine hours to 12 and beyond, whatever. And I just want it out. It's so minor in life, right? To what maybe you're walking through. But can I also tell you the truth is, after we got there, we unpacked our stuff, and we had a night's rest, the next morning we woke up, 
we realized that that drive is over and we got to move on in our vacation. That the vacation wasn't over. I still had my putt-putt moment. I still had time at the beach. I still could ride around the golf cart where we are with the kids and just, we make memories. It, just because that moment was terrible didn't mean everything was destroyed. I think this is why James says, like, the Lord is coming back. Be, I think he's saying reminder that this isn't everything that you're going through. What you're going through right now is not everything for life. There is more, okay? But maybe you need to invite God into your scenario. Because I want to tell you something. The, the, the God that worked in the time of James is the same God that works in our life. And maybe this morning as we end, if you're used to one hope, you know what we do at the end. I want to offer a time for you to respond to what God is speaking to. Not just necessarily what I'm speaking, what God is speaking to. We open altars up, not because this specifically is anything special, but there is something special about bringing something to God. Maybe you walked into today, and you know at one hope, we believe in prayer. You know we believe that God moves and works and we don't just sit in, in what we've got. We bring it to God. Maybe today there's something you're suffering in, God. I want to give it to you because I want to walk through faith. We just want him to begin to walk through it with us because James knew suffering. But the God that helped him is the same God that wants to help you. And so can I just pray and invite you in to however you want to respond. I don't know what your story is right now, but I just got, want God to speak to you specifically. Heavenly Father, I don't know what people are carrying right now. And maybe it's in this room or maybe it's someone watching, listening online. There's something carrying and right now we need to give it to you. Because we need to invite you into our pain. We need to invite you into what we're covering. Maybe, God, we need to be praying on behalf of someone else, interceding on their behalf because of what they're going through. But God, I just pray that you would... Remind us today that you worked in the past, you work in the present, and you will work in the future because you're a God that never changes. So if you want to speak something to us today, God, we're listening. And help us to respond through faith in the middle of some of the hardest moments in our life. And God, it's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.